Thank you for joining us. Our next guest is a fashion designer and founder of Kate and Francis. She is crafting sustainable fashion that gives people the power to dictate how the world sees them. She is here to talk about the importance of representation, identity, and sustainability in the fashion industry. Please help me welcome Kate Pierre. Kate, how are you? Hi there, I'm good, thanks. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. I want to hear your story because I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> fashion designer. I want to know how it all started. Right, mm -hmm, so tell us sure. a little bit about your background. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm from New Zealand. <clears throat> I grew up in New Zealand. Uh, my father is from Trinidad and Tobago, and my mum is from New Zealand, um, English ancestry. My sister and my brothers and I, we all grew up uh, at the bottom of the South Island in a little city called Dunedin. Um, and it, it was good. We grew up around my mum's family, so we had lots of cousins around, lots of family. Yeah, like we had a, a good um, upbringing. Like, we, we never wanted for anything, it was just, yeah, we weren't the richest family, we weren't the poorest family, but we're we okay. were good, we were happy, like it was a good childhood, yeah, nice. yeah. Some of this, your mm. parents, where did they meet? In New Zealand, in Trinidad? No, London. Oh! They met in London, yes. Nice. In New Zealand we have an agreement with, with um, the UK that we can go and work there for a couple of years and get some experience and then go back to New Zealand or stay on. And then they, they moved back to New Zealand? Correct, when yes. you were born. Mm -hmm. yeah. Alright, went mm -hmm. to school in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. What did you yeah. do in school? Yeah, so throughout my school I was always drawn to fashion. I always, mm -hmm. but I didn't realise that at the time. Um, okay. I used to love to watch people and to figure out how I could um, tell who they were just by what they were wearing um, and so that kind of subconsciously turned me into fashion. That's interesting. Try to tell who they were by how they were dressing. Give me mm -hmm. an example. It's not forming judgments on people. It wasn't going, oh they're wearing this brand of shoes so they're this type of person or they're wearing this um, sweatshirt and they're that type of person. It was more being able to um, distinguish like if someone was working at a particular store or if they were a teacher or if they worked CEO I guess yeah if they were wearing a suit like what did that tell me about that person as I've gotten older I realized that I can't tell I, I can't judge people by what they wear but yes. as a kid, as a child growing up, that's how we learn. So it drawn you into fashion mm -hmm. and you're like, this is where I want to go. All through high school, I was, I was set on creating clothes. It was fashion all the way. Um, and my sister had a friend who had just started the, started at the fashion school in my hometown. And so I contacted her and she gave me some really great advice. And I was just like, sold. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. After school, you went into fashion. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. I left my little hometown and I moved to the other end of the country. Uh, and I worked in some small boutique stores there, um, behind the scenes, doing pattern drafting and sample cutting. So doing all the things that I'm doing now. So it was really great experience, and and I loved it. Yeah. How long did you do that for? Oh, um, I was in Auckland for around eight years. Okay. And. Um, 
Within that time, I worked at a few different boutiques, but I also started my own brand when I was around 23. So I had the first um, Kate Pierre brand then, um, and then that lasted for about five years, and then I left to go to London. What did you go to London to do? Um, I wanted to explore. Um, In New Zealand, I felt like I never really fitted in. I never could see myself uh, reflected in the people around me. Now, New Zealand has quite a diverse culture, um, and there is a lot of Pacifica people there, so there are a lot of brown-skinned people in New Zealand. But I still didn't feel like I belonged because they weren't Caribbean folk. They weren't from Trinidad. And so I knew a little bit about my culture, but I didn't know a lot. London, I knew that there was a big community over there. Um, But I also thought London was the fashion capital of the world. So that was another reason that I wanted to go. Okay, which year was this? Oh, um, 2008. 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about when we had that recession time. Exactly, yeah. How was your experience? I worked um, at a few different high-end stores um, doing quality control. I would work um, as a garment technician, so behind the scenes. Um, And I was just working like short contract jobs, which was really great. And I traveled a lot when I was there as well, which was amazing. Um, But job-wise, I did have to leave after my two-year visa was up because the company that I was working for, um, because of the recession, bought in a new policy that they only hired people with an EU passport. And as I was only on a work visa, I then had to leave. You know, I think everything does happen for a reason though. So what that reason was, it it taught me me something, right? It's like not everything that I want, I'm going to get. <laughs> I think that's, um, but you know, I went back home to New Zealand and I was there for a couple of years and while I loved being home, um, it was, it still felt really small. And after the excitement of London and uh, because there was so many different cultures in London, yeah. so many different uh, faces when you walk down the street, like I felt like I was a part of something. And this time I was like, I want to find out a little bit about my my Trinidadian history and that culture and just to find out who those people were and are and what that culture is and how I'm a part of it. So yeah, I left New Zealand um, and I had a visa to come into Canada, but on the way to Canada I stopped off at a few Caribbean islands nice. and yeah, oh my gosh. Did you go to Jamaica? I did. Oh, uh, yoohoo! Yeah, <laughs> Jamaica is one of my favourite places. Um, yes. I stayed in Westmoreland. I'm glad you had a wonderful experience. <laughs> and you said you stopped yes. off a few few islands mm-hmm. and you head to Canada. Yes. Did you feel 15? <laughs> how, how was the experience? So I had been in conversation with a company in Vancouver <clears throat> and about a job. And so they wanted to meet me, so I came out to Vancouver, mm-hmm. met up with them. Next thing you know, I'm moving to Vancouver because I have a job. Nice. Mm -hmm. And what work was this? It was working in sportswear. Um, I hadn't worked in sportswear before, but I'd worked in fashion. So Mm. it was learning a new set of skills that I could apply um, to my current skill set, 
but just expanding it into sportswear. And that was a really great um, segue into how I can combine some of the techniques used in sportswear and to create fashion so it's more like comfortable and it's more almost loungewear, but it still looks good. What happened next? So Vancouver was another culture shop. I, I didn't see a lot of black or brown people at all. Um, I was lucky in that the manager that I had, he was black and it was like, oh my gosh, like, I think that kind of gave me like a false sense of what the city was like because <laughs> when I started to explore, I was just like, hold up, there, there's, there's no other, there's not a lot of black or brown people I have here. a question for you though. Yeah. How important is it, is it mm -hmm. to have black and brown people around you? I think it's really important because when you see people that look like you doing things that you want to do, it inspires you to want to go to that next level, to be able to feel comfortable in the room with other people that look like you or sound like you or um, have similar experiences to you. When, you're, when I'm out in the, in the world, mm -hmm. it's all about black and white. Black, white. Mm -hmm. Being brown, where, where do you find yourself? Do you find that you have a stage for yourself? Do you try to be on one of those teams since it's either black or white? Oh, that's... Do you see that's... yourself as an identity or do you see yourself fitting into one of those groups? I don't see myself fitting into either of those groups. How other people see me is totally up to them but for my own personal experience I don't feel like I fit into one or the other. I think a lot of mixed race people feel this way where they don't fit in with either and it can be hard to find your own identity or feel secure in yourself when you don't identify with those people around you. Like with my parents for example my mum is white my dad is black so I never looked like either of them. My skin was never as dark as what my dad's is. My skin is not as white, obviously, as my mum's is. So I, I could never really identify with either of them, just by looking at them. When you're a kid and you don't see people who look like you, you can feel like it's you're on the outside a little bit. You're on that fringe. And I can see that, that that's one of the reasons you're always searching. I think so. <laughs> Definitely. It's like, where can I find that little pocket of people that I can fit in with? Have you ever found them? No. And that, it's interesting to say that because I don't think I will in that respect because there is no one else who has gone through a similar experience that I have. And I think that's what binds people. It's like I could walk down the street and not have people stare at me. Like at home if I had my afro out and I would like people would always look at and well that's great but at the same time I just wanted to fit in. That's that's all I wanted. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Alright. So you're working. No. What happened next? I didn't really know what to expect but it wasn't what I found. And I was right um, in Kitsilano and I wanted to be able to buy clothing that expressed my sense of self. I wanted to go out to the stores and be like, oh, I want to buy this dress or this pant or this jacket. But I couldn't find what it was that I wanted. So that's when I was just like, okay, that's it. 
<laughs> I don't know where I'm going to get it from, so I'm just going to make it. And that's where Kate and Francis came from. So you started Kate and Francis. Mm -hmm. When did you start it? That was 2017. 17. Mm -hmm. All right. What was the, the, the vision, the mission, the, the goal? What was, mm -hmm. what was going on in your head in yeah. 2017? Mm -hmm. By the way, Anyway, before you tell us, <laughs> Kate and Francis, what, where does yeah. that name come from? Kate and Francis. So, my name is Kate, yeah. so, um, and Francis is my middle name. Okay. And so, it's you and you. It's me and me, <laughs> yeah. And it came about because I realized that we all have, uh, well, at least I do, two sides of who I am. There's the Kate who can be more outgoing and more vivacious and more bubbly. And then there's the Francis side, who is that little bit more introverted, reserved, that kind of introspective, that kind. So it's it's like the blending of the two, and that's kind of where my brain comes from. It, it all stems from identity, though. So the first thing was like, I want to be able to, to wear this type of clothing or this type of style. That was the main motivation. And then it kind of filtered into... Well, hold up, there's also not a lot of brown or black people here in Vancouver. How can I um, elevate the people here that are already doing amazing things? How can I use them in my brand? What can I do? And so I decided, okay, I'm only going to use black or brown faces in my photo shoots. Where I can, I'm going to use black or brown photographers, uh, makeup artists. So it's not just the people um, in front of the camera that you see, but also the people behind the camera that have these beautiful faces. So, I've been observing your your your, your attire, your dressing. Okay. Is that one of your style, your fashion? Yeah. So nice. both of these pieces are from Collection 6.0. It feels like I'm wearing my pajamas, to be honest. Yeah. But I'm all, and I know it doesn't look like I'm wearing my pajamas. So that's what I love about. What I create is that it's comfortable, I can feel relaxed, I don't have to be sitting here with my stomach pulled in and like, <laughs> like I can, I can just be me and so that's what I want to be able to create for other people is for them to be able to create their own sense of style. Being able to, to wear what size you want, what colour you want. It doesn't have to be women's wear if, you're, if you identify as female, it could be men's clothing. It doesn't have to be what the label says. Like if you're out of size 6, you don't have to wear a size 6 clothing. You could wear a size 8 or you could wear a size 16. It's how you style it. It's how you want to express yourself. So having that that power or that empowerment to be able to just go out and like feel comfortable wearing whatever it is that you want to wear. And I think when you feel good, that comes through no matter what you're wearing. When you feel good about yourself, you look good. And, but it has to come from inside. It's, it's not an external thing at all. It is. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. right? you, yeah. It's all about how you look or you feel in it and your style. Exactly. Yes. All right. Tell us about your, your target market, your customers, and who are they receiving your brand? You know, the target, my target market surprises me. It wasn't what I originally thought it would be. And that's fine because it's now kind of encroached into other kind of age groups and, and people and like demographics than I thought it would. So that was a really big surprise for me and I kind of love that because 
it means that what I'm doing, I'm on the right track because I'm not just catering for one set of people or one body type. So at the moment, I'm getting a lot of comments saying, this is really comfortable, this is really cozy, I can, I can dance in this garment, or I, can, I feel free, or I feel like myself. And that is like the biggest compliment that I could ever ask for, I feel like myself. Are they sustainable materials and how important is that to your fashion? Sustainability has always been kind of important to me. Um, I use um, zero waste pattern cutting where, I, where pieces could be cut from one piece of fabric. Instead of having different seams, um, which in turn increases the amount of waste, um, I just use one piece of fabric and within that piece of fabric I can add like pleating um, or darts and it, it fits the body. It's also a bit of a challenge for me as well because it's like how can I take this one piece of fabric and turn it into a dress. Sustainability um, also comes into my brain is that I make to order. So when I receive orders through I make that order so I don't have a lot of stock sitting around. So there is no waste basically, yeah, yeah. Last year, if up yeah. to now, we, we, we are hit with a pandemic. Mm. This pandemic creates a lot of changes in our, in our life. Yeah. Loss of income, mm -hmm. you know, loss of jobs, businesses closed down. Mm -hmm. Most people are working from home. How does this affect the fashion industry? Is it that people are buying more PJs now, less fashionable wear? How does this affect the industry and, of course, yeah. you, you as well? Yeah, I think there's a couple of different um, parts that feed into that because the, the industry overall, if you look at fast fashion um, and you see what's happened with their factories in terms of, like, what is the process or how do we get these garments to store? What does that supply chain look like? Uh, when we go into places like Topshop or H&M or Zara, we see these these garments on the rail and it's like, oh, this is $30 for this blazer, this is $10 for this t-shirt. We don't think about the people who make them. We don't think about the fabric and where it's come from. And because a lot of these people were left unpaid, it was just like this big flashing red light. It's just like, how can we make our industry better? How can we create product? How can we create clothing uh, where this is not going to, to happen to other people. Like, I think that that also created a lot more opportunity for smaller brands to like step up and go, okay, well this is our supply chain and being totally 100% transparent about it. This is our supply chain. This is how we design. This is how we pattern draft. This is where we have our products made. And I think there was a lot more awareness around these smaller brands and they've got a lot of support and um, people or consumers have just had more knowledge. How are they producing their garments? It may cost a little bit more but it might be more ethical. And what are my values in regards to ethical fashion? Tell us about your team. My team? My team of one? <laughs> so you are... You are making the clothes yourself. You design yes. them, you make them. Yes. You sell them. Yes. Awesome. I do it um, all. Yes. Where can people find your products? Is it strictly online or even in your retail store? 
Mm. I'm in a few retail stores at at East, um, but I am mainly online, so you can find me at cadenfrancis.com. And that's yeah, that's where you'll find like all of the collections. Um, you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. They're the main uh, social media outlets or platforms that I use. Um, if you'd like a piece that's made to your specific size, that's totally doable. Um, there is an option in the drop-down menu for custom, and so you just select that, and you just enter in your measurements. Um, and it's it's that easy. And if I have any questions when I'm pattern drafting, I will be in touch with you. Pretty straightforward. Wonderful. I don't, how long does it normally take from ordering to finished products? Mm -hmm. Um, if it's ordered and it's one of the sizings that I have, it takes a couple of days and then I will have it in the post. If it's a made-to-measure, if it's a custom piece, it's the same amount of time, maybe a day um, longer. It, I, this is another part of what I love to do because um, being able to customise garments, uh, because not everyone has a body that's going to fit into a size small or a size medium or a size large. And so why should you have to wait longer to be able to get the clothing that you want to be able to wear? So the made-to-measure pieces may take a day longer, but three days to get that pattern drafted, cut and stitched, and then out to you. That's it. Three days. Three days. One. Doesn't take long. Where do you see the clothing industry going in the future? Especially, say, say we come, go back to normal. Whatever that looks like. Yeah. <laughs> How is the fashion industry going to look? You know what? I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, what I think the the trends will be. Um, I think that athleisure wear is still going to reign supreme. Uh, I think that people will also be wanting to dress up a little bit more. Still have the comfort and the functionality of athleisure wear and wearing their their tights or their hoodies or whatever it is that they've been, sweatpants that they've been wearing throughout the pandemic, but they're going to be wanting something that has that comfort, has that functionality, but then something that is also a little bit more dressy, that can be a little bit more formal, or has, if you add a few accessories, can be more formal. Mm -hmm. Back in the days, in the 80s and 90s, my time, early 2000s, Suit, jacket, tie, you know, mm -hmm. was the order of the day. That has changed a lot. Question for you is, what does formal wear look like these days? You know what? I, I don't really know what formal wear looks like these days and what it's Who changing. Knows, right? Yeah. Um, I still know that suits are, like, they're still selling. Suits are, they will never go out of style. Never. Um, formal wear for women's wear may look slightly different though. I don't know, say like a prom dress, maybe like that in between, that might change. And so it's a little bit more, a little bit more casual. Uh, and depending on the type of industry you're in as well, like say if you're working at a, a law firm, then that uh, apparel will differ greatly from if you're in a a teaching environment. Where do you go from here? What's next for you? Well, 2021 is all about creating brand awareness of letting people know that my brand is here, it's out there, um, 
and just getting people in the garment so they can experience it for themselves. Going further than that, it is having my garments on other platforms. So I've got a bigger reach. So it's, it's basically growing my business from where it's at. Um, in 2022, I would like to be able to hire some people to be able to help me with this. I want to, to get to a stage where I can hand off all of the the things that I don't love as much about having a business, um, that I can hand that off to someone else and just have the business start to, to run itself. And instead of me working in my business, I can work on the business and have that broader view of the direction where I'm going. So making it more available like globally. Is there anything else you would like to talk about that we didn't touch? Okay. This is my thing. And I, I teach as well. And I know you were, you were a teacher as well, or still are. Like yesterday I was talking to the students and it was just like, okay, like you're learning something new. Like even if you've done this before or done something similar to this before, right here and now, it's a new experience. Yes. There's new people around you. You're different to what you were yesterday. So yeah. it's like, you just have to do your best and people will see that it's your best. You, you might be a perfectionist and you might be wanting to like nail it like every single time, but if you're learning something, like it's a process. And like if you can see like gradual like changes and improvements, then that's what it's all about. And to be curious about what those little things are and how you got from A to B, like that is what it's about. It's not creating something that's perfect it's about being human and just like progressing like, if you do what you love people see that and they can hear that and they can feel that and so I think that that is a huge part of being an entrepreneur to be able to make a living from what you love doing like that is success and it's totally dependent on how you want to define success Thank you for coming on our show and sharing your wonderful story. We wish you all the best. And of course, to everyone watching, I hope you find our story inspiring. And share with us in the comment what it was most outstanding for you. Also, like, share, and subscribe to us as more wonderful stories come in your way. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Bye for now. Kate, the fashion designer from Kate and Francis. I'm creating sustainable fashion that gives you the power to dictate how the world sees you.